Hello. We hope that you're doing well. We're glad that you've joined us. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ, where disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about a very popular subject, a subject that you might have heard a little bit about, or perhaps you haven't heard about it at all, and that might be even a little bit more concerning. Uh, and even if you've heard of it or haven't heard of it, uh, chances are it's profoundly shaped who you are, what you believe, and how you think. It also comes and is part of why it can be difficult to preach the gospel to people these days. And why it is that it doesn't seem like we're able to sit down with somebody and really talk about uh, beliefs as, as being right or wrong. And, and, and people's conviction about their beliefs. And a lot of these things going on are about a profound shift in thinking that's been going on for the past 60 years or so. And it involves what is frequently called postmodernism. Postmodernism has certainly taken hold since the end of World War II and represents in its various forms of the views of a lot of people today. It explains the current lack of concern about specifics of doctrine, and also the growing attitude that uh, everyone is the judge for themselves of what is right and wrong, and the attitude that we see so very frequently today, that everybody should just keep their own belief to themselves. It's all because of postmodernism. It's also why it's become almost a fixed rule in our culture, that politics and religion two things that ought to require the most discussion are the two things that uh, are just not talked about in good company. And that those who major in politics and religion are somehow suspect and suspicious. Uh, and it's less, it's less acceptable to speak of one's faith. And so if we're going to be able to really get anywhere in trying to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in our culture, we're going to have to come to grips with postmodernism and postmodern thinking. And therefore, what is it? What has it influenced and impacted? What is it completely bad? Uh, is there anything commendable about it? What What's the difficulty with it? And what do the scriptures have to say about these things? And so let's spend some time, if you would, please, discussing these today. So it's a strange term, isn't it? Postmodernism. I mean, after all, after modernism. I mean, if modern is present, how can you have anything after the present? Well, that's that's certainly true, but... Postmodernism is aptly named because it is what comes after modernism. And modernism is itself a very wide-loose term, an umbrella term, to describe patterns of thought from a philosopher named Descartes in the 17th century all the way through the 19th century. And modernism is marked by an optimism regarding the abilities of man to know and to act. Uh, modernism ex not accepts absolutes, and in many ways was a search to determine the absolute laws about existence. Uh, modernism was the great veneration of the idea of objective truth, and seeks to determine it. And in modernism, man can know, man can understand, man can control, man can manipulate. Uh, man's problem, where there is problem, is ignorance. And the only way to cure ignorance is the obtaining of more accurate and greater knowledge. Postmodernism came out of the changes in science in the two world wars, where everything that everybody believed about modernism was seen for its absolute horror and how it could be used in the most evil way possible. And so, whereas pop modernism was extremely optimistic about mankind, 
postmodernism has become extremely cynical about mankind. In postmodernism, there's a rejection of the idea of absolutes and advocates that each person establish for him or herself their guiding truth in life. All truth, according to postmodernism, is subjective because it can only be known by the subject, by the person, and is invariably influenced by that person's way of looking at things. And how can a person know whether the way they see things is actually the way things really are? And so there's an inherent suspicion in the presumption that we can actually know what we think we know. Now, postmodernism is not one unified school, and there's a lot of different opinion regarding a lot of matters. But its general tenets, as outlined, is, is highly influential in how people today look at the world. And so we can see how this has influenced many aspects of modern life. In one way, postmodernism has been a, a handmaid to atheism in its denial of absolutes and the emphasis on subjectivity. Because if there is no absolute, there can be no God who is absolute. Likewise, the spirit of postmodernism is also allowed for the modern ecumenical movement. There are a lot of religious communities who, of course, will not go as far as, as the postmoderns will in terms of not believing in God, but they are accepting the more subject, subjectivist nature of truth. And this has allowed a lot of different religious organizations who believe very different things about uh, fairly important subjects to be able to say they can agree to disagree and therefore to promote unity and not seem at all to be bothered by the fact that they are in greater disunity than they are in unity. And this is probably the primary reason why all of a sudden we don't see a lot of debating of doctrinal issues. That there's very few sharp disagreements about among different denominations and the difficulties between the denominations as in older times. Because everybody's kind of accepted that well, we can't really know in the end. These are just different flavors of the same thing and all is well. And in greater society, it's, it's gone hand-in-hand hand with moral relativism. Because if there is no absolute truth, there's no absolutes in morality. And therefore, the idea is left to the individual and, and, the, and a group of individuals to decide for themselves what ought to be the way forward in terms of morality. And therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that we see people more and more finding opportunities to justify more of the baser instincts of mankind, animal instincts of mankind, uh, as justifiable behavior. We even see relativism influencing language, uh, the subjectivity of language, and acting as if language cannot really be fully understood because it changes by the women of mankind, that the only meaning that is real is the one that you're taking for whatever you're hearing or reading. And there's a lot of other ways that postmodernism can impact our society, but these are hopefully sufficient to show how it's very uh, influential in our culture today. And postmodernism is a significant threat in many ways to the promotion of the faith in Christ. Uh, first and foremost, of course, of course, the idea that it denies absolutes. Now, if, if anyone who understands Aristotle's law of non-contradiction, that A cannot be both A and not A at the same time, uh, the idea that there is no absolute is complete fooler, foolishness because uh, it, it breaks the law of non-contradiction because to say there are no absolutes is itself an absolute statement. But that contradiction doesn't seem to bother postmodernists because to them contradiction is a part of life and not a problem to unravel. And therefore this can be used to uh, reinforce those who deny the existence of God. 
on the other hand, we know as Christians that there is an absolute, that there is God. In the beginning, there was God. And he created all things. And what he says and does is absolute. But this leads us to a very difficult conundrum. How can you prove the existence of God to those who deny the existence of absolutes? And the only hope that we have is to show such a person, and these such persons use to realize that there is a lot more to this world than what you or I or any one individual can perceive. That there is an order that is governing everything. That even though we become cynical about uh, what humans are able to do, that the creation is just so. That all of the creation is designed for life. And that all these constants are there to facilitate life. And uh, it just takes more faith to believe that it just happened than it is to to believe that there is an organizer, uh, a mind behind it all. And if someone can be convinced that what Isaiah says is true in Isaiah 55, 9 and 10, that there is a God out there whose ways are greater than our ways and his thoughts greater than our thoughts, then that's excellent. That's the, that's the way forward. Unfortunately, a lot of people are not going to accept this, and they're going to continue to deny any form of absolute, including God. Likewise, uh, Paul's modernists would erode the concept of truth itself, the idea that there is a truth that can be known, that instead there's just truths, things that are true to you. The Bible is very clear. In John 14, and verse 6, Jesus declares that he is the truth, the way, and the life. Uh, in fact, the idea of God's existence and truth are, are intertwined. The whole idea of God's name, Yahweh, he is existence. His existence means all other things are possible. And so if he is existence, he must be truth. And that man is able to know the truth, and the truth can set us free. In John 8, and verse 32. But these ideas don't carry a whole lot of weight in postmodern thinking, because they would just claim that there may be truths in other religions, and uh, the exclusivity of the Christian message is very much uh, a challenge and difficulty, and, and leads to much sneering at the promotion of the Christian faith. Likewise, it's often argued that we really can't know the truth, because we're fallible and we're often wrong as humans, both today uh, and also those who wrote the Bible. Because uh, postmodernism, of course, would often deny the inspiration of the Bible and believe it's just the, the best thoughts of certain people uh, in Israel and a long time ago. Now, the difficulties in showing the truth of the Bible to such people in that environment is very difficult because our, our confidence in God is based on faith that we believe that, that we must believe God is and is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But we can do our best by showing them that there are historical evidence that supplement the claims of the Christian faith. We can't go as far as to say that history proves the Christian faith. It just shows that Christian faith is comprehensible in the world in which it is written. And hoping that they will see that there is value in that, and also the way that we live our lives. Within the religious world, it's also, we're getting the point of being considered strange and outmoded because we place importance on believing the Gospels God established it, therefore becoming considered as exclusivist or cultic uh, by affirming Jesus' life and death, his resurrection bodily, his ascension, lordship, his return, and that God has declared things as true for the church and that the church needs to affirm his truths as true and to live by them and to depart from them is to depart from him. That is considered uh, completely abominable even abominable, even though it was taken for granted uh, not less than 150 years ago. And that's the interesting thing about it. So many of these groups that are now condemning us for uh, the way that we present, uh, consider our faith and present it, we're doing the very same things in the past, and uh, we'll most surely be held accountable in the Day of Judgment for it, as we can see in Romans 14 and 2 Thessalonians 1 and many other places.
we should not be persuaded to give up the idea of not only right practice, but also right belief, that there is a truth, and that we can know that truth, and in fact that we need to defend that hope that is in us in First Peter 3 and verse 15. Likewise, the moral relativism that's inherent in postmodernism leads a lot of people to do what they want. Uh, in the, new, the Bible declares God's truth for mankind, that there are works of the flesh, that if we do them, we will not inherit the kingdom of God, and there's fruit of the Spirit that we ought to manifest. Uh, that there's things that are called sin, and that they are things that we want to do, but we ought not to do. And that that's something that a lot of people gristle the idea, that there is sin. Many people think now sin is just kind of a, a social construct to uh, get people to stop doing things they want to do, uh, as a way of motivating like guilt or something like that, or trying to keep the man down, so the man trying to keep you down, excuse me, so to speak. Um, so how can we get people to look to God for answers? Well... In this case, it's slightly easier, only in as much as the situation of mankind in sin is grim. And it's not as pretty as everybody would like to make it to be. People see the bankruptcy in pursuing a life of hedonism, a life of uh, seeking after money, or pleasure, or sex, or fame, or drugs, or everything else. And that that there is the reason that righteousness has always been affirmed as, as good for a culture, that there is no law against the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, that indeed people will learn, as Paul says in Romans 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, and wish to turn from that. Unfortunately, many more will remain in that state. And uh, another major problem is that postmodernism denies our ability to understand the Bible that we really can't understand the Bible because not only are we not ancient Greeks or Hebrews and thus cannot understand the culture context fully, but we cannot have full confidence that the texts mean uh, what we think they mean in English, or that our, even our English means what we think it means. Um, of course, it's never really considered that if, if this is true, then even this whole claim that we can't understand what we can't understand makes any sense, because how can we be sure that we're understanding that we can't understand what we don't understand? Seems to be kind of strange, isn't it? But, of course, postmodernism revels in those kinds of paradoxes and contradictions. And postmodernism has proven more than amenable to what is often called hermeneutical agnosticism, which means that there is interpretations going on, that people are interpreting, people are trying to make sense of things, but there's no ability to say that that particular interpretation is certainly true. And this has a close cousin, not only with the very, the view, well, that's just one interpretation, that there's very little conviction, little backbone in holding firm to a particular understanding of a text, but it also means that if a particular interpretation can be advanced, it therefore must be taken seriously. That if you can, if you can look at something in a certain way, even if uh, there's plenty of reasons to discount that view that show that it's completely inconsistent with certain other aspects of Scripture, and thus not in harmony with what is said, it doesn't matter. Since the line of argument can be opened up, it must have validity, which also is a very bankrupt idea that would not have even been given the time of day in a day of more rigor logic, but today uh, gets all kinds of openness in many of the uh, various disputes of the day. So it sounds like postmodernism is this terrible thing, but we need to be careful. Because, even though there are a lot of negatives of postmodernism, there were some necessary reactions to modernism. We've talked about how postmodernism can be a friend of atheism, but on the other hand, the greatest 
friend of atheism was modernism, with its denial of anything that could not be explained, that is, uh, the supernatural, with Hume's uh, betting that there was no resurrection, and the denial of faith that was in vogue among all sorts of people who still hold to the modernist agenda. In fact, uh, the postmodern world will open up to the possibility and the opportunity of spirituality, even though that spirituality is not normally directed in terms of uh, the God revealed in uh, Israel and Jesus and in Scripture. So we can see that, in fact, there are many ways in which there need to be a reaction to modernism, even though we can still recognize that postmodernism has taken it too far. A very important one is that mankind cannot know everything. As we said from Isaiah 55, 9 through 10, God's ways are higher than our ways, and our, his thoughts than our thoughts. And in Job 38 through 41, uh, when Job kind of leaves his place and starts presuming upon the Almighty, the Almighty reminds him quite strongly that there's lots of things that happen that he just doesn't understand and won't understand. And so it's good to know that we're not going to know everything. That we can know what has been revealed to us, but there's plenty that is true that we simply cannot comprehend, and we need to recognize that. Deuteronomy 29 and 29, that the things God has revealed to us is ours forever, but the secret things remain His. Uh, the idea that God is one and three, and three and one. The idea that there can be infinity, and all kinds of other aspects to uh, the faith are just things that ultimately will be a mystery, and we are never going to be able to fully resolve to our satisfaction. Likewise, even though the spirit of ecumenism has taken the theory too far, there are, in Romans 14, some things that have no consequence to God, and multiple practices can be allowed. Uh, the idea of objective truth in modern terms, X or Y, black or white, doesn't like this idea very much, but it's present in the scriptures. Now, there are certainly matters that should not be compromised, that, that is either or, black or white, but that doesn't mean that there's no compromise on anything. Uh, the eating of meats in Romans 14, the color of one's clothes, for instance, a, a particular Bible version, things like that. Uh, and even beyond that, when it comes to interpretation, there are times where different interpretations have legitimacy in terms of different contexts or audiences. Uh, Psalm 2 means something quite different to uh, the people living under the Davidic monarchy versus uh, those Second Temple period or, of course, after Manifest in Christ. Um, and even in the New Testament, we see uh, a text like the ruling with a rod of iron in Psalm 2.9 uh, being used to refer to Jesus many times, but then Jesus will use it to refer to his own people as well. So there can there, there are many times where interpretations can be broadened, where there can be multiple levels of understanding, multiple levels of interpretation, and so it's not like there's always going to be a one strict way of looking at things. And uh, postmodernism has allowed us to be aware of looking at that and seeing that. And that there is ambiguity in language. It is true that all language is metaphor. There's nothing about any concept or object inherently that means that we should use the particular letters and word sounds that we make with our mouths, uh, which, of course, themselves are all just kind of things to which we attach meaning. That's object that is inherently true about it. A book, there's nothing about a book that means it needs to be okay as opposed to a sefer or a libra or any other term that might be used associated with it. And it is important for us to do our best to understand how language is being used, especially in spiritual matters. And realize that uh, language uh, should sometimes be taken face value, sometimes it's metaphorical, uh, other devices in language to interpret it properly. And, and to recognize that uh, Scripture is an inexhaustible fount, and there's always greater things that we can gain from it. And to realize that in all of these things, we can never be mastered. That we can only be mastered by God, mastered by His revelation and uh, seek to glorify him through it. 
So, we've spent some time looking at postmodernism. This, of course, is only a very scratching-the-surface beginning survey. There's so much more that could be discussed in terms of all of these things. But I hope that we can see postmodernism for what it really is. It's a reaction to modernism. And it's a reaction that's just too extreme to be sustained. Because, ultimately, man needs more structure than what is advocated in postmodernism. That even when there's no structure, people are creating their own structure. And, honestly, a lot of people are still using the Judeo-Christian heritage uh, as their structure. Uh, it's certainly not exactly the way it was in the Roman world. It certainly isn't what you get from a bunch of Vikings who decided uh, that they were going to cast off all restraint. It, it, you, you certainly have the influence of the Judeo-Christian worldview uh, and its affirmation of the individual and its ethics, uh, even though plenty are railing against certain aspects of those uh, relics. It, very much like a teenager who is still living under the structure of the parents and rebelling against it in certain ways. And there's some day it'll probably be exposed for what it really is. Um, but that's not today. And it probably won't be in my lifetime. And so we need to reckon with this force. And it's always important for us to remember, and we're going to end on this, what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. Because a Christian should not be a postmodernist or a modernist or any one of these philosophies. For, as is written, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In some ways, modernism is consistent with the, with the philosophy of Christ. In some ways, postmodernism is consistent with the philosophy of Christ. But there are many ways in which both and every other philosophy fall short. Therefore, we must be in the philosophy of Christ, rooted in Him, having Him and His truth as our foundation, and able to stand firm for His truth and glorifying Him, recognizing that He is Lord and we are not. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about, maybe you'd like to discuss this further. Maybe you've got some questions about your own views or postmodernism, modernism, and all of this stuff. Maybe you just want to talk about something else, or you need just to talk, or you have a prayer request, or something's going on. Anything I can do to be of service, please let me know. Please contact me through my website at deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. Maybe you're interested in learning more about the Venice Church of Christ. We encourage you to check us out online at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Google+, Meetup, and Twitter at Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.